sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. We are in our 20th year of broadcast, and believe it or not, we are still excited to bring you the latest on what's happening with religious freedom. And we're starting off our New Year's recording, a very interesting topic and a new guest. Marguerite Hill is co-founder of the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaboration and uh, executive director. Marguerite, welcome to Freedom's Ring. Thank you for having me. You know, I got very excited when I saw your article about a time of interfaith mass movement. But before we talk about interfaith mass movement, I should give you just a minute to introduce, well, what is your organization, the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaboration? Yeah, well, Muslim Mark, Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative, we are a collaborative of people who, of all faiths, um, who come together and we believe in and understand um, the Islamic anti-racism ethos and the idea that we can create a multicultural, multiracial future where everyone is welcome, equal, and safe. And our main mission is providing tools and education resources to promote racial justice and equity and inclusion um, for our diverse society, not just in America, even though we're mostly focused in North America and United States in particular, but also we're thinking about our global um, society. And so we provide those resources for our faith community to understand issues like mass incarceration, um, immigrant rights, um, also any type of social disparities in ways that we can build together in more positive ways um, with our neighbors. And so that's what we do within our faith community. But we also work with um, partners and allied communities um, to understand how uh, Muslim Americans in particular are a very diverse community, and Muslims globally are very diverse. For example, um, globally, the, the largest population of Muslims are actually Asian. They're Indonesian. Right. And a lot of times that's not the image of Muslims that we see globally. And when we combine the amount of African Muslims and Indonesian Muslims, the majority of them are outside of what we know is traditionally the Middle East. And so we really want people to understand the cultural diversity of Muslims globally, but also in America, and um, and for us to fulfill a mandate of us getting to know one another and uplifting um, the cause of, of uh, human dignity. Well, that sounds very exciting. You know, as I was listening to you, I was reminded I was consulting. I'm an attorney, as many of our listeners know, and I do a lot with religious discrimination. And I was consulting with some very fine lawyers representing some Somali Muslims mm -hmm. who had religious discrimination claims against a manager, a supervisor who was Pakistani. And immediately I was saying to them, look, you're going to have to find expert who can explain to a jury the cultural and religious differences. Uh, there's an enormous difference in Islam between 
uh, you know, Somali Muslims and Pakistani Muslims. Yeah. So I think a lot of Americans, you know, we paint, um, you know, we kind of think of Islam as primarily Arab, Middle East, and we're not really aware of the diversity within the Islamic community. Yeah, in fact, um, I'm African-American. Um, we've been in the United States since, you know, for generations um, since slavery. I'm I'm a convert, so I embrace um, my faith. Um, and I'm both very proudly American. Um, my husband also is African-American and, and um a lot of times people will just assume we we immigrated so they'll say go back to islam <laughs> it's like no actually we're we're from here and a third of american muslims are african american so that's just you know like sometimes like that reality that a lot of people when they think about american muslims they don't think about the large population of african americans um, Muslims and, you know, like we have a very diverse, multicultural, multi-faith family. Um, and so that provides some really great opportunities to have discussions around, um, both local issues and, and even global issues. And so, you know, I think that, you know, raising that is important too. So, you know, I want to kind of, before we look at the idea of an interfaith mass movement, kind of lay to rest, if we will, the sort of 900-pound elephant in the room whenever there's any sort of American discussion of Islam. And, you know, thinking about you as a convert, as American-born, African-American, um, I suspect that when you were exploring the Islamic faith, you weren't particularly identifying with the militaristic aspects at the founding generation any more than when people convert to Catholicism, you know, they look at the Inquisition or or the wars of religion in Europe as the model of what Catholicism is all about. Is it fair to say that um, your exploration of Islam focuses on Islam as a religion of peace rather than uh, some of the the violence that's been associated with some. Yeah, a lot of the exploration came out of my own understanding of my historic identity as a descendant of slaves and knowing that about 20% of my ancestors were Muslim from West Africa and that they were enslaved and really embracing that and the rich cultural history of that and the, but also the idea that, um, you know, like, embracing that just long history of connecting people globally. And, and it really was a very important moment for me, but I also found, you know, just beyond the identity politics was, was really the, the spiritual discipline that connected me in many ways, the Abrahamic faith in very profound ways. And so that was like the key for me were, were the, the practices that, constantly connected me to my understanding of my Lord, but also, um, you know, the prophet Abraham and a deeper understanding of like who, who Jesus was. And so that was very important to me. And, and I didn't really, and, and as somebody who has been stereotyped, I also knew that that depiction of Muslims as being violent. I grew up with that all the time as, as an African-American. It was just like, whenever we saw something on the news, we're like, oh my gosh, don't let them be black. And then it was we would have the backlash. And so that's not anything new for me, but, you know, the idea of religion of peace and religion of dignity 
And one where we could actually speak out against injustice was something that was very important for me, too. So let's talk about that speaking out. I think within the Christian faith community, we have, to some extent, lost what I call the prophetic function of our religion, which is really to call society to account, to speak truth to power, to to raise the spiritual tone of society, and, and especially, you know, going back to the, the very profound ethical statement from the prophet Micah to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God, which I think is, is probably universal not only in Judaism and Christianity, mm-hmm. but I suspect Islam resonates with the same values. So, when we talk about an interfaith mass movement, what is it that you're writing about? What is it that you're aspiring to? I definitely am aspiring to that tradition that we've seen in American society going from the abolition movement to the civil rights movement where clergy put themselves on the line to to further the cause of human dignity and freedom. And so that tradition is definitely something that I'm drawing on as a person of faith. And I think that, that it's time in this, you know, this is a very important time in history where we should see more clergy coming forward and knowing that, you know, if in during the civil rights movement, a lot of these people were hated and, and that, but, but they did the right thing. And that we have, you know, and that opened the doors both for Black people in the South and um, to desegregate, but also that opened the doors for immigration, where we ended quotas against people from outside of Europe. And I think that that's what makes our society beautiful, that it was like that faithful resistance that freed slaves, that liberated people from oppressive policies. And I think that um, in this time, we're seeing clergy coming out to, um, like, for in the NLA, we have, like, the clergy um, and laity united for economic justice. And they're putting themselves on the line to keep families together. Um, some families are being deported or they're, they're addressing some of the unfair targeting of um Latino immigrants. And so, you know, they also have a number of important campaigns. And even with PICO, their community organizing to see the work that they're doing to um, bring people together of different faiths and um, to address um, social inequality or pass laws that benefit families um, and communities. Like, that's something that um, I'm really grateful to be part of. And in living in L.A. and seeing the work of L.A. Voice, um, it's just been really inspiring for me. And my work as a Muslim and having a mentor uh, who is a pastor, um, I was also the other group that was very influential in my work. Sure. was been the ARC, which is a Jewish um, social justice organization. Mm-hmm. And they really helped me find my calling, like my deep, deep calling. And they created spaces where I felt fully human and fully seen. And that's something I would love to share with other people that we, as people of faith, that we can, like our morality is not just, you know, like our personal morality, but being able to see the full humanity of everyone that we pass by on the street. And that's something that I aspire to. And I feel like, all you know, all people of faith, we should. If we're not already aspiring to that, we should. 
You know, you remind me in what you're saying of the very passages of Scripture that I have felt compelled to keep preaching on month after month, year after year. In the Gospel of Matthew 25, there's a, a judgment parable that Jesus tells about how those who are the sheep who are, you know, on his right hand in the kingdom are the ones who gave a cup of cold water to the thirsty and clothed the naked and fed the hungry and, and so on. And he says that when they did that, they did it to him. And they protest, well, you know, when? When did we feed you? When did we give you a cup of cold water? And the answer that Jesus gives is when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think this resonates very much with what you're saying. And that's at the core of it all. Yeah. For me, that's at the core of it all. It's not about being conservative or liberal or progressive. It's really about how do we help each other? And, you know, that's where, you know, my anti-racism work goes is if we're divided along race, if we can dismantle that, then we can actually do more to, um, to serve our Lord by helping each other as human beings. So, my interest was so piqued by what you were saying about how you have grown in your own spiritual life as a result of interactions with leaders of other faiths, with the Jewish community, with a Christian pastor, and how this has developed you spiritually. I think for many of us, we only find inspiration within our own narrow tradition. And uh, I hope that your experience makes a few of our listeners think. Mm -hmm. Well, we are out of time. Our guest today, Marguerite Hill. Thank you. Uh, Co-founder, director, the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative. And yes, we are hoping for an interfaith mass movement. Thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you for having me. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.